You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast is based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Here's what it says. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. He always, you know, always is all the time. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. So this podcast is about giving information to those of you, uh, uh, whatever your situation, we're in a crisis situation here. Uh, well, actually globally, but we got information. We got inside information. We got God's word. We got God. We got his spirit on the inside of us. We got his blood covering us. Boy, we in good shape. We're in absolutely good shape. So what I did, I felt led to change some things that I was teaching on Sundays. I'm teaching my son and I are teaching on faith or fear. Where are you? So I was talking on work. So I decided I was going to change up and talk about worry or trust. How are you responding? Are you worrying in this situation? Are you worrying in this crisis or are you trusting? And in our first episode, we learned that worry and trust are mutually exclusive. We talked about what worry is. It's a negative expectation. We talked about what's wrong with worry. And then we completed episode one talking about what did Jesus say about worry over in the sixth chapter? Now, there are two divisions in this series worry and trust. So we decided to spend a little time talking about worry. And then in our next episode, we'll begin to talk about trust. Now, today, let's talk about what did Paul say about worry? What did the apostle Paul say about worry? Now, I want you to make a note, a mental or a write it down somewhere. Philippians chapter four, verses one through nine. And we're going to look at the traditional King James Version. Now, we, we go back and forth from the New Living Translation to the traditional King James today. We're going to be looking at the traditional King James Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. We're going to be talking about what did Paul say about worry? What did he say about peace? Now, boy, this is going to be good. It really is. Now, those of you that know me, especially my members, they know I love this number seven. I just love the number seven. So I'm going to I'm going to talk about seven connections that I saw in the text. In the first nine verses, I saw seven connections to either worry or peace or worry or trust. Seven connections in the first Two verses, actually the first three verses, verses one through three, I found a relationship, relational skill, connection to peace. Now follow me. A relationship or 
relational skill, connection to peace. In verses two and three, and we don't have time to turn to all the verses, but in verses two and three, there were two women, Eurydia and Setenchi. There were two prominent women that were leaders in the local church. And these two women were in a deadlock in an interpersonal conflict. In other words, they were having a hard time getting along. Now, these were leaders, so listen carefully. They were leaders, two women who were leaders in the local church. They were having a hard time getting along. They were in this disagreement, and the disagreement had turned into strife, and it was causing division in the local church. Now, you may be thinking, okay, what does this have to do with worry and what does it have to do with trust? What does how I relate to somebody else have to do with trust or worry? Listen at this. This situation that the Apostle Paul highlights by the Spirit of God in verses 2 and 3 between these two women communicate this truth that we experience peace or worry to the degree that we relate, relate properly to others. I said that again. Listen carefully. We experience peace or worry to the degree that we relate properly with others. Now, this is, this is very subtle in the text. Now, I'll give you an illustration. One of the reasons why there's so much talk against overcrowding in prisons is because the, the more uh, crowded the situation and the closer people are to each other, there's going to be some tension and there's a lot of fighting. So we can't afford to let our prisons be overcrowded. What am I saying? How does this rate relate? Think about it. Think about it. Because of all the restrictions that are placed on us by our officials, we're closer together to one another in our homes. Think about it. I spend a lot of time. I've spent a lot of time with my wife. My children are grown, but I spend a lot of time with my wife on a regular basis. But now, I see her more than I've seen her. Now, you husbands and wives are spending more time together. Now, you parents are spending more time with your kids. We're closer together. Now, we'll talk about some opportunities in a minute, but you have to be very careful that you don't let strife get in there. Because some of you, you're not even used to seeing your spouse as much as you see them now. You're not used to spending this much time together. In fact, for some of you, work has been a place where you can escape to. Well, you can't escape now. So you got to be closer. So we got to make sure that we're relating properly to each other. Classic illustration. Remember over in Luke chapter 10, 
Jesus uh, visited the house of Martha and Mary, and the Bible says they were both sitting down listening to Jesus teach, but Martha got pulled away, got distracted by much serving. Jesus had brought 12 other men with him. So Martha thinking, we got to clean this house. We got to cook this food. We got to do all this. And she got ticked off at her sister, Martha, and she got ticked off at Jesus. Now watch this. She went to Jesus and said, now Jesus, don't you care that my sister Mary is not helping me? And you, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. What was she worried about? She had gotten some strife. You see, strife, inner personal conflict, will rob you of your peace. So the first thing that the text shows us is that there's a connection between our relationships and our relational skills and the level of peace that we have. So in this time where we are forced to be closer to one another, in our home especially, then you have to guard against strife and guard against anything that will rob you of your peace. The second uh, connection that I notice in the text is found in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. This is an attitude connection. There is a connection between your attitude and worry and your attitude and trust. Now, notice what it says. Paul here says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. The Bible tells us that joy is the believer's strength. That's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. But the Bible also communicates to us that our joy operates independent of our environment, independent of our circumstances. We can have joy all the time. You mean even in the midst of a crisis? Yes, we can have joy. Even in the midst of the fact that people are getting sick? Yes, we can have joy because joy is a fruit of the reborn, recreated, human spirit. The moment you receive Jesus, God placed his nature, Jesus' nature on the inside of your spirit. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says the fruit of the spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the fruit of your reborn human spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, so forth and so on. So now notice you have joy on the inside of you. Come on, say, I have joy on the inside of me. Come on, say, I have joy on the inside of me. So I can rejoice not in the fact that I'm not working. I rejoice not in the fact that others are becoming sick and some have died, but I can have rejoice in the fact that God is on the inside of me. I have his nature. I have his presence, I have his word, I have his blood, I have his name, I have divine protection. So we can rejoice in the word. We can rejoice in the Lord. Now, you say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you a secret. The Apostle Paul, who is writing 
this letter, who wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, guess where he is? He is in prison. Prison. He has been persecuted. He has been thrown in prison. And death could be imminent. In other words, he's in prison. They could call him any day now and cut off his head, execute him. And yet he's talking about joy. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Now you have to act on faith and rejoice. Put your, some uh, comedy on. Don't watch the news 24-7. Put some comedy, put some funny on and laugh. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Avoid the habit of complaining and murmuring. It will steal your peace and steal your joy. Stop complaining and murmuring. It changes nothing. Murmuring, complaining changes nothing. The Bible doesn't tell us to murmur and complain. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm so tired of these folks. Stop murmuring and complaining and rejoice. You are a believer. Rejoice. Now listen to me carefully. How do I do that? Focus on what you do have and not on what you don't. What? Focus on what you do. Th take some inventory. Think about it. Okay, what do I have? What do I have? Not what I don't have. What do I have? I got my family. Got a place to stay. What do I have? Let's focus on what we have and not on what we don't have. We're going to believe for what we don't have, but we're going to focus on what we do have. Now watch this. Not only can we focus on what we do have, we can focus on the opportunities even in this season because there are some opportunities available to us in this season, remember I said that most of us are at work or at school, and so we're not as close to one another. So now, the fact that you're at home, your husband, now we can do some connecting relationally, reconnecting relationally. In fact, introduce yourself to your husband. Introduce yourself to your wife because, you know, we kind of going and we don't see each other that often, but now we're forced to it. So now we can develop our relationships. Now watch this. Maybe some of us can refinance because things are going to be, uh, there going to be some opportunities there to maybe refinance the mortgage. And it has forced all of us to be more innovative and creative at work. We have to be more innovative. At school, we have to be more innovative and creative. And guess what? It is even forcing the church to be more innovative and creative. Watch, there are always opportunities. Ask the Spirit of God to open your eyes to see what, what are the opportunities even in this situation. You're not going to see opportunities while you complaining. Now listen at this, and then I'm going to go to the third connection. Listen at this. Listen at this. We cannot respond naturally and receive supernaturally. We cannot respond naturally to this crisis that we're in right now. And it's a real crisis. It's, this coronavirus is a real 
crisis. We're not in denial. It is real. Now watch this. But you and I, we're expecting, and I talked about it Sunday, walking on the water. We're expecting to walk on the water in this time. We're expecting our God to, to manifest himself in miracles, wonders, and signs. This is our time. So now listen carefully. We cannot respond the way the world is responding. In other words, we cannot respond naturally, complaining, murmuring, judging. We can't do that. We can't do that if we're expecting a supernatural move of God in our lives. So we cannot respond naturally and receive the supernatural. Now, the third connection, I got to run now. I got to really start running. The third connection in this fourth chapter, this connection between peace and worry is the word is the forbearance connection. Say that the forbearance connection. Say it again. The forbearance connection. Now, in the fifth verse, it says something that's a little strange our thinking, but it says, let your moderation be known to all men. Let your moderation be known to all men. Now, listen at this. The word moderation there, the word moderation means forbearing. It means a non-retaliatory spirit. It means to forbear or put up with the faults and failures of others. It means to have a non-retaliatory spirit. Now watch this. It means, moderation, to submerge our petty personal differences in order that Jesus and his work may be magnified. I'm going to have to say that again. Paul here is giving us some clues to how we can have peace even in this situation and how we can avoid worry. And he says, let your moderation be known to all men. The word moderation means to forbear, to put up with the weakness and the faults of others. It means to have a non-retaliatory spirit. Watch this. It means, look at me now, listen to me now. It means to put away our petty personal differences, petty personal differences in order that the Lord be magnified and his work be advanced. What are you saying? This is what I'm saying. Don't get caught up with what others are doing and not doing. Don't get on Facebook or social media and talk about what everybody's not doing, what this one doing, what that one doing. Let's not do that because guess what? None of us are really perfect. Now, on a corporate level, here's what we've got to do. We've got to respect others' comfort zone. When you got pressure on you, sometimes you, you, you talk and say things and, and you get flippant. No, no. Let's respect others' comfort zone. If they want to give us an elbow uh, handshake, give them an elbow. If they just want to blow you a kiss, 
If they want to give you an air hug, they don't want you hugging on them. Let's respect others' comfort zone. Now watch this. And let's stop judging other people based off our faith. That's not good. That's not letting our moderation be known to all men. Listen, I'm not expecting to catch have anything. I'm standing on the word, but I am going to not judge other people based off of my faith. Now, I got an analogy for you that I think is going to be helpful. My, 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 my. I got an analogy that I think is going to be helpful. And I'm talking now on a corporate level, how the church should be responding to each other, to each other in this time. Now, listen at this. Listen at this. Listen at this. Okay. Two foxholes. We're in a war. Foxhole one. You and your unit is in the foxhole. A foxhole right next to you, fellow soldiers in the same army that you're in, is in the next foxhole. The enemy is out front. So the enemy is shooting missiles at us, throwing grenades. They, they are dropping bombs. But I'm in a foxhole with my unit fighting them. Come on, say them. We fighting them. Come on, say we fighting them. And then my fellow soldiers in the next foxhole, and they are fighting them. Come on, say they are fighting them. Now watch this. Wouldn't it be strange? We're in a fight fighting the enemy. And I turn in my foxhole and point my gun on my own unit. Wow, that would be strange. What if I, in my foxhole, throw a grenade in the foxhole next and my fellow soldiers over there? So I'm going to throw a grenade over there. Boy, guess what? The enemy will have to stop dropping bombs, wouldn't they? Because we would kill ourselves. What am I saying? I am saying in this time, when we got a war that we're fighting against demon spirits and a virus that is taking some people out, it is no time for you in your home, in your foxhole, to turn on your family members. It is just no time for that. It is no time to be arguing with each other in your homes. It's no time for you to be fussing at each other. You should come together in agreement. Now watch this. It is no time for us to be throwing grenades at other churches. It's no time for us to throw grenades at other pastors. It is no time for that. They're our fellow soldiers. We're fighting the same thing. Stop talking about other churches, other pastors, and what this one is doing, and this one is opening their church up, and this one is closed. Don't get into that. It's not time for us to throw grenades. It is time for us to come together. It is time for us to unite, and it's time for us to realize that we have a common enemy, and it is time for us to realize that we, we, talking about the church, regardless of what denomination you're in, we are on the same team, in the same army. Let your moderation be known. The fourth connection that I notice here in the text is the obedience connection. It says, be careful for nothing. 
Be careful for nothing. One translation, in fact, the New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. The word worry in the text, careful in the text, means to be pulled in different directions. Sunday, I talked about being cross-eyed. You can't be pulled on the word and pulled on the circumstances at the same time. That's what worry is. Now, I want to say something, and, and, and you know, I want to say something that, that uh, is interesting. The Bible clearly tells us to be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. That's what the Bible says. Now, watch this. The problem we have with obedience to this, I'm going I'm to I'm explain it to you. We have a problem with this. God says, don't worry about anything, but we have a problem. The, the, the reason why we have a problem with uh, not worrying is because we don't see it as a command from God. We don't see, be careful for nothing as a command from God. Another problem we don't, we have with, uh, our, we view disobedience as a, a, we, we, we view obedience as a sign of a lack of concern. Let me explain that to you. Okay. If, if, if I obey that command, I won't worry. Right? Yeah. But the problem with it is we think if we don't worry, we're not concerned. But we found out last week, worry is a troubling concern. We just don't think it's a sin to worry. That, that's, we just don't think it's a sin, but God thinks it's a sin to worry. In fact, we believe it's impossible. I know the Bible says not to worry, but I listen, I can't help it. Well, God, it's unfair to tell you to not worry, and you can't help it. I tell you another problem we have with obeying this, don't worry about anything, is we just have so few role models. Think about it. How many Christians that you know practice not worrying? There are very few of them. So we struggle with this. But the Bible tells us that there is an obedience connection. That's the fourth connection. We have to obey what he says. He says, do not worry about anything. That would be job thing, finances thing, food thing, children thing, family thing, economy thing, investment thing. It says, do not worry about anything. Thing. And anything God tells us to do, he gives us the grace to do it. The fifth connection that I see in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 through 9, is the prayer connection. The prayer connection. The scripture says, in everything, it says, do not worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, pray about everything with supplication, with thanksgiving, and let your request be made known to God. And the Bible said, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards your heart and your mind. So now notice the Bible says that in 
everything we are to pray. We are to pray about everything. Pray about everything. So we're to substitute prayer for worry. So wherever we were, we should put prayer in there. If you're worrying about this, pray about this. If you're worrying about that, pray about that. Substitute prayer for worry. Now, there are four elements in this connection, this prayer connection, four elements. It says, in everything by prayer. That word prayer means worship. Worship, yes. It means lift your hands up, open your mouth, and begin to bless God. Sing, bless God. Even in this time, take some time and worship. Put you on some worship music and take your time and worship. Worship helps you and I to see that God is bigger than what we're facing. So the scripture tells us first to worship. That's what prayer means in the text. And then it tells us supplication. Supplication is a definite request. In other words, tell him everything you need or desire. A definite request. Be specific. A definite request. Tell him everything. Now, you may be thinking, okay, why should I tell God everything that I'm dealing with? All the details, everything you're concerned about. You're concerned about bills, job, children, whatever you're concerned about. You're concerned about home, losing your home, whatever you're concerned about. Tell God about everything. Well, doesn't the Bible say he knows what I need before I ask? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. But he gave you free will, gave me free will, gave us free will. So when you tell him about everything, you are giving him permission to get involved because he can't get involved without your permission because he gave you free will. A second reason you need to tell him everything, watch this, is because you get it off your chest. Isn't it good to just talk it out? Well, God says, talk it out with me. Tell me every detail. That's what supplicate means. Now, the third, the third element here in this prayer connection is committal. We don't see it in the text, but it's implied. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. I believe that committal is the third element of prayer because the next element is going to be thanksgiving. Well, I can't thank God if I still got it in my hands. If I still got it in my hands, then I can't thank him for helping me with it because I still got it. So the Bible says that we're to cast it over on God. Let me give you a practical way to do that. Remember in the last uh, element, supplication, we said, tell God everything, even the details of what you need, desire, what you're going through. In this element, committal, I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. Write it down on a piece of paper. Everything that you need, everything that you desire, everything that you're worried about, everything you're concerned about, I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. I mean, literally, not spiritually. I want you to do it literally. Write it down on a piece of paper. And once you write it down, I want you to look and see if everything's on there. Look, yeah, 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 it's on there. Yeah, everything's on there. Okay, now, ball that up. Ball it up. 
and find your wastebasket or trash can, and I want you to throw it in the trash can. I want you to what? Throw it in the trash can. And you are symbolically casting your cares on God, okay? Now, if God has it, you're releasing your faith that God has it, you don't. And since you now don't, you can go to the next element, Thanksgiving. So you're going to spend the rest of the time thanking God. You're going to be thanking him that he took care of that situation with your job. You're going to thank him. He took care of that situation with your utilities. You're going to thank God that he took that care of your situation with your kids. You're going to begin to thank him before you see the answer. Doesn't that sound like faith? Yes, it's faith and faith moved God. So you're going to start thanking him. You're going to think about what he used to do, what he done for you in the past. He killed the lion, the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine. That's what David said. He, keep, he helped me with the line. He helped me with the bad. He's going to help me with this situation. So you start thinking, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing and begin to confess it with your mouth. Begin to say, oh God, I'm so glad that I don't have that care anymore. God, I'm so glad I don't have to worry about my job anymore. God, I'm so glad that, that I don't have to worry about provisions and worry about my, God, I just thank you. I'm so glad I don't have that care anymore. And the Bible says, listen what the Bible says, the peace of God that surpass all understanding, humans can't understand, will guard your heart, that's your emotions, and guard your mind, that's your thoughts. Like, a, 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 like soldiers surrounding you, peace going to surround you. And it's supernatural. You know what it's like? It's like Jesus sleeping in the boat in the storm and the boat full of water, and Jesus sleeping there snoring. That's supernatural. God, listen to me, listen to me. God wants you to have supernatural peace, not, not willpower, not willpower. He wants you to have supernatural peace. Follow the instructions. Pray, worship, supplicate, in details, tell in details, committed to God, and thank him. The sixth connection is critical to what you've just done. You have, that's the thought control connection. The thought control connection. Verse eight says, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, now watch what it says. Think on these things things. Do what? Think on these things. Let me give you a simple, simple way to do it. Bible-based thinking is based on, listen to this, is it positive? Is it peace-producing? Is it productive? Verse 8 can be summarized, is it positive? If it's positive, think on it. If it's negative, don't think about it. Got it? Does it produce peace? When you think about this situation, does it produce peace in you or does it just tear you up emotionally? Well, if it produces peace in you, think about it. If it tears you up every time you think about it, 
Don't think about that. Is it productive? Does it add some, does the thoughts add something to you? In other words, does it subtract some from you? Does the thought take away your joy, take away your peace? Does the thought take away your sleep? Does the thought take away your health? Does the thought take away unity? Positive, peace-producing, productive. Say that. Positive, peace-producing, and productive. Positive, peace-producing, productive. He says, think on these things. Now, you can't say, I can't help it. Faith, now you're, you're oper- I'm talking faith now. You've already given it to God. You've committed to God. So worry is now unnecessary. And if you worried about it and you gave it to God, then what you did, you went back to the wastebasket, you pulled it back out the wastebasket, and you put it back in your pocket. Okay, that's why acting it out will help you. See, it's going to help you to act it out. It's a simple thing. Write it on a piece of paper, throw it in the trash pad, and every time the thought come up to you, say, no, no, I don't have that anymore. Every time that thought, that worry thought come, say, no, 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 I don't have that anymore. That's in the trash can. God got that. I don't have that anymore. You're going to have to resist those thoughts as they come back. And then the seventh connection is the execution connection. The execution connection. Paul says, those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Now think about it. Paul says the things that you've learned. Paul said, I've taught you. He said, the things that you receive, you received the word. He said, the things you've heard, he said, the things you've seen in me do. Think about it. Paul says, think about it. I'm in prison. I've been persecuted. I could be killed tomorrow. Now, I'm not worried about it. He said, what you've seen in me, do it. Execute it. Just do it. Get the podcast, listen to it again, and just do it. Don't argue with it. Don't debate it. Just do it. The execution. Now, I believe in this hour that it is important to have contemporary role models. I was teaching Sunday, and and I'll study Sunday on uh, fear or trust, fear or or faith, where are you? And I said that one of the keys to mastering fear is that we have to connect to someone who inspires our faith. I'm back there again. Listen at this. In this time, we need contemporary role models. Hebrews 13, 7, Hebrews 13, 7, says that we are to honor those who have the rule over us, who have spoken unto us God's word. And the Bible says, watch this, follow their faith, consider their faith, consider their faith and the end of their salvation. 
the Bible tells us to follow the faith of those who's walking out the word. You got to have a contemporary role model. You got to have somebody who understands that what we're facing now is not forever. What we're facing is temporary. What we're facing, God can turn it around. We need some contemporary role models. And I'm going to say this to you as I close. Why don't you be one? Why don't you be a contemporary role model for other people? There are so many people who don't have God, don't have the word, don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, never been taught the word. Why don't you now be a role model for those who do not have the word? Why don't you bring comfort to those? Why don't you take this, what you're learning, and share it with somebody else? Get it to somebody else. Now, I'm going to take a minute and just kind of review the connections. Today, I talked about seven connections to worry or peace. We talked about the relationship, relational skill connection. We talked, secondly, about the attitude connection. Thirdly, we talked about the forbearance connection. Fourthly, we talked about the obedience connection. The fifth connection was the prayer connection. The sixth connection was the thought control connection. And the seventh connection was the execution connection. I trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. And in our next episode, we're going to go over to the trust side. We talked about worry in two episodes. Now we're going to talk about trust. Thank you so very much for your time. And if this bless you, share it with somebody else.